Hello and welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Thursday, January 9th, 2020. It is game night. The Blackhawks face off against the Nashville Predators tonight at 7.30 at the United Center. We will break down the game. We will talk to Robbie Stanley from Lockdown Predators, not just about the Preds, but about Peter Laviolette. Could he be an option for the Blackhawks if and when they decide to move on from Jeremy Kelton? We will get everything Nashville from Robbie Stanley of Lockdown Predators coming up. First, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can follow my personal account at jayzawoski670 and make sure you check out the madhouse chicago hockey podcast my other hawks podcast at madhouse pod new episode dropped late on wednesday morning or i'm sorry late tuesday night early wednesday morning so go check that out still holds up lots of good conversation in there with me and my partner james Naveau. uh before we start to talk nashville predators some news out of practice on wednesday lots of news actually as everyone knows Dylan Strom went down in the second period in the 2-1 loss to Calgary on Tuesday night. Looked bad, fell backwards, and that ankle got stuck uh, You know, with the toe pick there. It, it didn't come out when it was supposed to, and Strom left the game, did not return. And after the game, it seemed like it could be something that would keep him out for a long time. Turns out it seems like, at least as of this moment, it's more of a day-to-day thing than a week-to-week thing. He will not play against Nashville on Thursday. But beyond that, they're not really sure about his status. So maybe Strom misses two, three games here. But I think I think we've probably cleared the hurdle of really bad news. And it looks like he could be back sooner than later. And that is really good news because I'm going to tell you about the Blackhawks' lines at practice on Wednesday. And... If you want to know what life without Dylan Strom would look like, here's a bit of a picture. Top line is Jonathan Taves with Dominic Kubelik and Drake Kajula on the right wing. More on Kajula coming up in a second. Second line, Kirby Doc centering Alex Dabrinkit and David Kampf. Third line, Ryan Carpenter centering Alex Nylander and Patrick Kane. And your fourth line, Zach Smith centering Matthew Highmore and John Quenville. Your defensive pairs, Keith and Boquist, Gustafson and Murphy, Mata and Cuckoo. That's how they lined up at practice on Wednesday. That is a bad team. <laughs> There's not really many ways to shake that out aside from just saying it. That is a bad team that will not win a lot of games. And I don't want to overvalue Dylan Strom, but when you look at this team's depth anyway losing Dylan Strom was a big deal now Drake Kajula interesting if you don't follow John Dietz on Twitter you should he covers the Blackhawks for the Daily Herald Drake Kajula this is a tweet from John Dietz Drake Kajula said he's ready to return he said the coaches explained the roster is full and that's why he hasn't been slotted back in okay uh, yes, the roster is full, but you can unfill the roster by sending someone down like Dylan Secura or Matthew Highmore or John Quinville. Drake Kajula, if he's healthy, should be playing. And now I'm not going to pretend like Drake Kajula is the second coming of Theo Fleury or anything, but 
The guy's scored 20 goals at this level before. He's got some speed. He plays with some intensity. He's clearly worked hard to get back from his injury. Why is he not playing? Hopefully that changes today. Hopefully by the time you listen to this podcast, the Hawks have announced a roster move, sending one of their depth bottom six forwards back to Rockford. And maybe it's still insecure because he's the one who is not taking part as part of one of the top four lines in practice on Wednesday. And Drake Kajua is back in. What is that? That's that's bizarre. That I mean, that's a good way to lose a player or to have a guy be kind of pissed off. And look, Drake Kajula has not earned the sort of benefit of the doubt uh, that a lot of the star players have, and he doesn't have to be kowtow to by any means. But I don't know. I, I think that just sounds shady. Other news from Wednesday. Robin Leonard is back. Kevin Lankinen was sent down. Robin Leonard returned to practice, said the knee bounced back a little more quickly than he expected. I would still probably like to see Corey Crawford get the start on Thursday against Nashville. And truthfully, if I'm Jeremy Cowton, I give Crawford the start Saturday against Anaheim too and give Leonard an extra five days off because they don't play again after Saturday until Tuesday. And then they've got back-to-back games with Ottawa and Montreal. So if it's me, I'm giving Leonard that start against one of those two. Ottawa or Montreal I think Corey Crawford has two more starts in him here without a doubt so that to me is the safest thing to do um th- that's what I would do and I think it makes a lot of sense for the Blackhawks to do that from a strate- from a strategic sound standpoint and from uh look the Robin Leonard's health they need that guy to be as close to 100% as he can be he's been right alongside Patrick Kane their MVP this entire season so you got to protect Robin Leonard even though it might not be it might be tempting to get your your better and hotter goalie out there protect him let Corey Crawford play the next two and then have Leonard play against Ottawa or Montreal whichever you prefer I think to me that's the safest move to make one more little note I wanted to get to before uh, we move on to our Nashville Predators report with Robbie Stanley from Lockdown Predators Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts today had a little note in there that they're considering, the NHL, is considering having a three-on-three women's portion of the All-Star Weekend. I love the idea. I love that idea. I thought it was awesome last year when Kendall Coyne participated in the Fastest Skater contest. That was awesome. I absolutely love that. Showcase the women. I think women's hockey is great. Really, really solid. I love it, and I would love to see it in the All-Star Game. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, including... The Cubs and White Sox, 75-degree temperatures. We can all get down with that. All 10 of those stadiums are within 50 miles of each other. There's tons of amazing restaurants and bars nearby. Craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company. I When I go to Arizona for spring training, what always gets me is the scenery. You don't see colors like you see in Arizona when you're in Chicago. The beautiful landscapes. Go explore. Rent a car. Go explore Arizona. 
you'll have a great time. If you've never been to spring training, it's a perfect place. Bring the kids along. It's a great destination for families. They've got family-friendly resorts and hotels and offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages. They've got a ton of stuff to, for kids to do and see. Wildlife parks, museums, aquariums, dude ranches. It's great. Arizona, warm in the early spring. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Visit arizona.com slash springtraining. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Tonight, the Blackhawks face off against the Nashville Predators. If you missed the news somehow, Monday, the Predators fired head coach Peter Laviolette and named John Hines their new head coach. They responded with a 6-2 loss against the Boston Bruins. Let's find out what's going on with the Nashville Predators with Robbie Stanley. He is the host of Lockdown Predators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, obviously, and the Predators correspondent for NHL.com. Robbie, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to the Locked On Blackhawks audience today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you bringing me on here today. No problem. So I guess the initial question is, after a really successful run as head coach of the Nashville Predators, sort of elevating the team to places they hadn't really been before, what happened? Why was Peter Laviolette fired on Monday? Uh, what were the, sort of the main reasons for not just his firing, but the Predators' struggles this season? Well, as you said, it's been a very disappointing year for the Predators thus far. And if you take one look at their roster on paper, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that they should be a lot better than they are with the talent that they have. And I think David Poyle and the National Predators fan base kind of feels like the team has been trending in the wrong direction for a couple years now. You know, they won the President's Trophy immediately uh, after making a run to the Stanley Cup Final in 2017 won the President's Trophy a year later, got bounced in the second round. And really ever since they got bounced in the second round in 2018, it kind of feels like they've been moving the wrong way. They won the division again last year almost by default uh, with winning the division because St. Louis got on their run late enough in the year where they just couldn't catch up to the Predators. But they got bounced in the first round by the Stars, and it's been a disaster of a season so far for them. Uh, they just haven't been able to find any consistency. Their goaltending has gone down the tube. And I think there are some systematic issues uh, that have caused a lot of problems with this group. You know, you bring in guys like Kyle Turris and Mikhail Granlin, Wayne Simmons last year, who they brought in. All of these guys have been very productive elsewhere in their careers. And Mikhail Granlin and Kyle Turris specifically have just never been able to find their groove here in Nashville. Matt Shane, even to a, a certain degree, has been that way this year, where he was a 70-point guy last year in Ottawa slash Columbus and has not lived up to expectations so far in Nashville. And the question then becomes, okay, did all of these guys just forget how to play hockey when they got to Nashville? Was there something deeper going on with the system? I think David Poyle was finally forced to make a decision with the way the Predators have been playing as of late. And he put a lot of pressure on the, on the players uh, on Tuesday at his press conference when he was introducing John Hines as head coach and basically said, you know, I can't fire 23 players. So I had to fire the coach. Uh, but I do think there were some systematic issues uh, that were rearing their ugly heads. And I don't think they were going to get any better if the Predators decided to keep Laviolette on board. What were the, some of the specific issues with the system that they had? Did it was, And this happened earlier this season with Jeremy Collin as he was playing a system that didn't fit the roster. And basically the brass said, you better fix this or else. And he did. Was it a 
the wrong fit? Were players just not getting it? Was it overcomplicated? What was what was the specific issue with the system? Well, I think it was the wrong fit. And look, I'm not saying that the system was totally flawed, but mm-hmm. there were certain aspects of it. It's no secret. Peter Laviolette is very kind of prone to tell his defensemen to lead the rush, to carry the mail offensively. And it's understandable when you have defensemen like Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis and Matthias Ekholm. But sometimes I think what many people perceive to be the biggest strength of the Nashville Predators, which is their active defenseman uh, that can be offensively gifted like Roman Yossi, sometimes that takes away from the production from your forward group. When you have Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm leading the rush all the time, sometimes it's very difficult to set up and get sustained zone time in the offensive zone. They've been able to do it at times, but I don't think anywhere near as consistent enough as they should be. And by a result of that, Ryan Johansson's not having a productive year. Matt Duchesne's not having a productive year. You know, Philip Forsberg's been okay, but Victor Arvidsson hasn't been as productive as the Predators have grown accustomed to him being. So all of your big guns on offense, they're not really putting the puck in the net with enough regularity uh, as they should be. And defensively, you know, they got, they traded P.K. Subban in the offseason. And for the first part of the season, their numbers were actually pretty good defensively. They just weren't getting a whole lot of saves from their goaltending. Lately, in the last five to ten games, it's been a combination of both. The defensive numbers haven't been good, and the goaltending has continued to struggle. So there really became a point, you know, halfway through November and really up until uh, the Predators made the decision to get rid of Peter Laviolette, that all three phases of the game were just so wildly inconsistent that you had no idea what you were going to get from the Predators on a nightly basis. And I think eventually David Poyle has decided that enough was enough. This team is too talented to be struggling like they have been. It was interesting. They did not immediately, the Predators did not immediately name Laviolette's predecessor until, wasn't it the morning skate on Tuesday before the Preds faced off against the Bruins? And I think leading up to that, a lot of people were speculating, like, wow, it must be a really big name. I think my first thought was Mike Babcock. When it was John Hines, did that surprise you? Did it surprise Nashville fans? And what was the reaction when that was the name uh, released? I think it certainly surprised the fan base. It didn't really surprise me because that had been a name that I had heard uh, kind of getting tossed around there really ever since Peter Laviolette got fired. So I wasn't shocked uh, by John Hines being hired. But I'll be honest with you, the, the fan base really didn't meet it with much optimism. They looked obviously... Uh, at his record with the New Jersey Devils, and it's very underwhelming when you look at it. It was obviously below 500, and he was fired earlier this year by the Devils after just an abysmal start for New Jersey. But I tried to kind of to, to get the message through to Predators fans that I'm not sure how much you can put stock into that record with the New Jersey Devils. If you, if you go back and you look at his tenure there, the roster was horrible. Mm-hmm. He didn't ver- get very good goaltending during his time there, and I think just talking from people in and around the New Jersey organization, I don't think their general manager, Ray Shira, wanted to fire him, but it ultimately got to a point this year where he had no choice. So David Poyle is obviously very close with Ray Shiro. Ray Shiro spent a lot of time in Nashville early on uh, in the Predators organization. I think he was there from like 1998 to 2004 or something like that. So Poyle and Shiro are very close, and they kind of knew John Hines through that connection, and also Poyle knew John Hines through his connection with USA Hockey. So if you, if you take a look back, uh, when, when David Poyle is hiring a coach, there is generally a, a, a connection in some way, some mm-hmm. form. Barry Trotz, when he was hired to, to take over the, the franchise, uh, when the Predators first came into the league, he had a connection through the Washington Capitals 
and their minor league affiliate while David Poyle was the GM there. Peter Laviolette had a connection with David Poyle through USA Hockey, and John Hines uh, has a similar connection. So uh, at the end of the day, I wasn't surprised that it was John Hines, but I will say it has not been met with a great deal of optimism in Nashville. This is Lockdown Blackhawks, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking with Robbie Stanley of Lockdown Predators. Follow Robbie on Twitter at rstanleynhl. He also is the Nashville correspondent for NHL.com, so you can find his work there. So the big question, as soon as any coach is fired from Blackhawks fans, is should they hire this guy to replace Jeremy Cowlton? The Blackhawks fan base um, not super huge on Jeremy Cowden. I don't think many of the players are either, and it feels like a change will be inevitable after this year. Um, let me ask you this question in two ways. Number one, what kind of coach would the Hawks be getting if they made the hire? And if you saw Chicago hire Laviolette, I know you're not a Predators fan, you're a reporter, but what would be your feeling as to how that would affect Nashville? Do you think that would make the Hawks a better team? I think it would make the Hawks a better team. And just take a quick look at Peter Laviolette's track record. The early returns are very, very good. I mean, he obviously won the Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes. He took over in Philadelphia after that. And I think within two or three years, they were in the Stanley Cup final there. They reached the Stanley Cup final in the third year in Nashville. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that you take three separate organizations to the Stanley Cup final. I think Peter Laviolette's a very good coach, but he does seem to have a shelf life. I mean, this was uh, halfway through his sixth year with the Nashville Predators. That was the longest that he had been with any of those stops along the way. So it's not really a guy that you can bank on being around for 10 to 12 years at any given spot. Uh, but I do think the early returns when you hire Peter Laviolette is you pretty much know you're going to be competitive. He's going to build the team from the ground up and, and make them competitive right off the bat. I do think he's a very good coach. I just think the time kind of ran out in Nashville and the expectations weren't being met. But yeah, if, if Chicago decided uh, to hire Peter Laviolette, I think they, I think that would make a lot of Predators fans very, very nervous because I think everybody around here universally kind of generally agrees that he's a good coach. Time just kind of ran out on him in Nashville. All right, so what kind of coach is he towards the players? I know you mentioned the way he plays his system. Is he a player's coach? Do his players like him? Is he a hard ass? Is he a red ass? What, what sort of what is his coaching style? Well, he, he definitely can be a hard ass, but I think most for most of the, of the players that I've talked to, they really enjoyed playing for him. And, and the word that they say that pops up really much, really pretty much to a man when you ask them is he's a master motivator, and he always comes up with different things to make sure that his team is motivated to play. And I think that's especially effective early on in his tenure, and I think most players really enjoyed playing with him there were a couple instances here in Nashville where I don't think he meshed with certain players Kyle Turris uh, is among them those two did not get along whatsoever but I think for the most part most players would say that they really enjoyed playing for Peter Laviolette uh, Scott Hartnell uh, who has become uh, a good friend of mine and, and a guy who played for Peter Laviolette uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers and also in Nashville with the Predators said that, that Laviolette is, is one of the best coaches that he's ever played for in terms of getting people motivated and getting people moving in the right direction. So, yes, when things are getting intense and things aren't going well, he can be a bit of a hard ass. But most players, I think, would say that they really enjoy playing for him. All right, well, now that David Poyle has fired the head coach, we're just about just over a month away 
from the NHL trade deadline if the Predators are going to try to improve the roster. And I think it seems pretty logical based on our conversation that they will. What are the things they'll be looking for to improve the team? Well, I think the first thing that David Boyle is going to try to identify in the next two weeks is, is this team going to be a buyer or are they going to be sellers? And that's largely going to have a lot to do with what happens uh, during the course of the next six games. That's a lot of pressure to put on John Hines. I know when you just bring him in, and are taking over a new team and trying to, to make some new tweaks and adjustments on the fly. But I think David Poyle, first off, has to identify that. If he feels confident in the next five or six games, in the next two or three weeks, uh, that the Predators can make a push toward the playoffs, I think the first thing he's going to try to do is to add a veteran defenseman. You know, they, they traded P.K. Subban away in the offseason, and they brought up Dante Fabro to kind of take that full-time role as a top-four defenseman. He's been okay this year. He's 21 years old there. Or 21 years old, though, and I think he would probably be better served uh, playing in a lower role with maybe a third-pairing role with less responsibility. Not that he's been bad this year, but it's been very up and down, much like you would expect from a rookie. So I think one of the first things uh, that David Poyle might look at doing is to add maybe another defenseman to this group, but they don't have a ton of options that they're going to be able to go out and get. I mean, prospect-wise, there's not a ton in the pipeline that they have. Uh, you know, from a contract standpoint, they're right up against it from the cap to begin with. So there's not a lot of long-term things they can do. I'm not sure how interested they are in trading the assets that they do have for rental players. So I think David Poyle is going to be limited in what he can do at the trading deadline. But I think the first step is trying to identify whether or not you're a buyer or a seller. Well, I'll tell you what the Predators need. They need a veteran defenseman signed long-term, three-time Stanley Cup champion, they need to bring in Brent Seabrook. <laughs> that is the answer for the Predators, my friend. I'm telling you, Robbie, that's what they need. First, a couple of first round picks will get it done. No big deal. No big deal at all. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're just trying to pawn Brent I knew Seabrook exactly off on everybody. Where you're going with that? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned before I think we... the city of Nashville would riot in the street if that happened. <laughs> well, but before we wrap up, you mentioned the name PK Subban, and from a distance uh, in Chicago, we call it out of town stupid. Uh, you know, you don't you're not close to the team, so you don't see what happens. What went wrong for PK in Nashville? It seemed like such a perfect fit, such a perfect market for him. Uh, why Why did that relationship, why did that mar- that marriage not last as long as many expected it to? Well, I think, first off, he, he got injured last year mm-hmm. and was really never able to get healthy after that. He battled injury pretty much the entire year and had a pretty dreadful season with the Predators by his standards. And I think at that point, with the disappointment of the way the season ended. Like I said, they won the Central Division for the second year in a row, but it was kind of smoke and mirrors. They were a very average team uh, during the second half of last season. Got beaten six games by the Stars in the first round, and to be honest with you, it really wasn't that close. They got totally dominated by the Stars in the first round last year. So I think after that, David Poyle wanted to make a change uh, with the group, and I don't think it was necessarily the relationship with P.K. Subban souring. I think it was more the fact that he was making $9 million per year and David Poyle felt like they needed to upgrade their forwards and they didn't have the cap space to do that. So in order to do that, they got rid of P.K. Subban's money. They brought in Matt Duchesne and that also freed up some space in order to sign Roman Yossi to a long-term deal, which of course they did earlier this season. So I think it was more that than it was the relationship souring. And also, you know, P.K. during his last, last season in Nashville – unfortunately did not have a good year, especially by his standards. So all of that uh, were kind of the reasons why I think P.K. Subban was, was shown the door 
And even at, at their exit meetings last year, Subban was pretty much aware that that was a pretty high likelihood that he was going to be traded and kind of met that with open arms and said, look, I, I get it. I'm the highest paid player. There's stuff that comes along with that. He hoped that he could remain in Nashville for the remainder of his career. Uh, but I think everybody knew at the end of the last year that the riding was pretty much on the wall. All right, Robbie Stanley, host of Locked on Predators. Thank you for taking some time out of your night. Again, follow Robbie on Twitter at rstanleynhl and check out his work on nhl.com. Robbie, we really appreciate the report. Thanks so much. Hey, Jay, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, man. That was Robbie Stanley of Locked on Predators, and that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Blackhawks. Now you are all caught up on tonight's opponent's Nashville, and you know what to look for as the Hawks and Preds drop the puck. Two big points for both teams. Hopefully the Hawks can come out on top. We will talk to you Friday morning with full Nashville postgame. Until then, my name is Jay Zawoski. This is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.